Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. You can email me your thoughts, opinions, feedback, even your adoration and praise will be accepted. Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. I want to talk this morning about H.R. 1, the For the People Act. This is what I want to talk about this morning. And... um, you know, it's anything but the For the People Act. In fact, I saw a an article that was written about uh, something that our Secretary of State, Todd Rokita, excuse me, Attorney General Todd Rokita, former Secretary of State, something he said about the legislation, and I think that he's exactly exactly correct on this. He says he says that this is it basically uh, codifies everything that was irregular or out or outright wrong um, or the opportunities for fraud during last year's election and makes it the law of the land. And that's what we're looking at. This is an attempt by today's Democrat Party. This is an attempt by today's radical left to ensure that they legislate a political victory, that they legislate a permanent majority for themselves in our government, basically effectively making the idea of being a Republican or being a member of the Republican Party, Republican Party having power, making that something that is Impossible, statistically impossible to do. And that's what this is ultimately this is ultimately all about. And they have they have you know gotten to this point um and and they're now making some calculations. They can now again they they can feel they can touch the objective, which is to make being a Democrat the equivalent of being a permanent party that's in power constantly. They can feel it. They can taste it. They can sense it. They can see it. It's just grazing the tips of their fingers. And so this is their objective through this piece of legislation. I want to go through an article here written by the Epic Times that I got, I think it was Friday, but it was sometime over the weekend. It says this. It says that there's uh, key changes to election laws in H.R. 1. Again, it's named the For the People Act. For the People Act, which, of course, the radical left is really good at naming. Well, they're really good at framing things and using PR and marketing. I remember a couple of years ago, Nancy Pelosi said the Democrats had a marketing problem. 
She said they they had a messaging problem because they have great ideas. They have great ideas, she says. It's just uh, the matter that says we can't get this information out to the people. We, we're struggling with our message. That is 100% incorrect. That is 180 degrees out of whack. The Democrat Party, as it stands today, is nothing but a marketing and PR machine, nothing but a marketing and PR machine that promotes and perpetuates ideas that are absolutely atrocious, that are anti-constitutional, anti-American in many ways, and that is what the party has become. It's become a mouthpiece. It's become a marketing, basically a marketing organization for radical ideas and radical people to overthrow how this country was founded. And folks, they are, it's within their reach. It's within, they can see it. They've got some Senate rules that they have to figure out how to deal with. This filibuster is a major thorn in their side. Major thorn in their side. And I have to tell you that I have to commend Senator Joe Manchin for standing against those that just want to throw this rule out the window so that Democrats can become the permanent majority. Now, he may succumb, and that may change at some point in time. There are no guarantees in politics, but that's where we stand. So let's look at this legislation. Let's look at some of the key changes that it makes to election laws. H.R. 1, again, also known as the For the People Act. Because if you're against this bill, you're against people, supposedly, the way that this the way that this uh, the left talks about these things, but there there are thirty changes, three zero changes that this bill, according to the Epic Times, makes makes to election law. Now, this bill itself is what nine hundred or seven hundred ninety one pages, seven hundred ninety one pages. It has passed the the House of Representatives, and it's now uh, the only thing standing between it and the, being the law of the land is the U.S. Senate, where it's 50-50 split. Kamala Harris cast the tie-breaking vote, but there is a mechanism in the U.S. Senate called the filibuster that says, currently that says, any legislation that is that does not have three-fifths of the senator's support to end debate on the issue will not be called to a vote on the Senate floor. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the rule. So in other words... Until there are 60 U.S. senators who say, let's stop debating this bill and let's call it up for a vote. It cannot be called up for a vote. And this is really the Republicans' last bastion of hope when it comes to radical legislation working its way through the United States Congress today. This is the last hope because they can't stop anything in the House of Representatives and they can't stop a simple majority. They can do a 50-50 split, assuming all of the Republican rhinos like Murkowski and Susan Collins and Mitt Romney and whoever else is in that group, assuming all those folks stay with the Republicans, which sometimes they do and sometimes sometimes they don't. But the best they can do is a 50-50 split, and then the radical Kamala Harris will cast the tie-breaking vote. By the way, Kamala Harris was viewed, was rated as the most liberal senator when she was a senator in the U.S. Senate. And so if that gives you any idea of where her and the administration would vote, um, there you go. 
So, okay, let's look at some of the changes that this atrocious piece of legislation does to election law. Number one, reading here from the Epic Times dot com an article here about hr1 it says it gives the federal government authority to administer elections although the u.s constitution gives states the authority to run their elections as they see fit that is true democrats have interpreted the constitution in their favor surprise surprise stating that in hr1 quote congress finds that it has broad authority to regulate the time, place, and manner of congressional elections under the the Elections Clause of the Constitution, Article 1, Section 4. So suddenly, as is typically the case with the radical left, they find something in the Constitution that no one has ever seen before, but they believe that they have the authority to regulate and to basically federalize um, elections. Which is a dangerous thing to do. This Again, you know, I marvel sometimes. People, and I know you understand this, the vast majority of people in my, that, that listen to my voice understand this. Even the name of this, of this country that we live in. We are the United States of America. That name is not just a happen chance byproduct of just randomness. It is a group of states, autonomous states, that willingly united under a uh, under a federal constitution they agreed to participate they weren't forced by you know an iron fist to agree to the rules and to the constitution they were in fact welcomed to craft that document they were welcomed in to have their voice heard that's where we have things like the Great Compromise. That's why, folks, that's why we have two U.S. senators per state, and that's why we have a House of Representatives that is proportional to that state's population. It's why we have that. It's also why, in a roundabout way, I suppose, no, I'd say pretty directly, that we have something called the Electoral College because states elect presidents, states elect They're congressmen, congresswomen, senators. States do these things. Those folks represent their state in our federal government. That is how this works. We are states first and foremost. States have the right and the authority to run their own elections. Even from a practical standpoint, just the whole issue, and I know you're not allowed to talk about election integrity, well, you could talk about it until 2020, until November of 2020. You could talk about Trump stealing the election in 2016. That was cool. That was hip. You could have an investigation for years that was politically motivated, that was totally fabricated, the whole Russian collusion nonsense, the uh, the dossier and all that stupid junk was totally and completely fabricated, gibberish and nonsense. Waste of time, money. It was intellectually dishonest. I could go on and on. But if you want to talk about just this idea of election integrity as a whole, and I'm not talking about anything that was alleged to have happened back here in November. I'm simply saying if you want to make an election more secure, then 
you having having 50 individual elections is much more secure than having one federal election, one that's managed by the federal government. Because you have 50 states that are implementing their own best practices and policies to protect their election from, say, hackers or people to go in and do things that shouldn't be done versus one system. I mean, that makes sense, right? Anyway, this idea of federalizing elections is is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a big part, a big foundational part of what this legislation is is about. Number two, the Epic Times writes, this legislation limits a plaintiff's access to federal courts when challenging H.R. 1. It would mandate that any lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of H.R. 1 could only be filed in the most liberal of places, the District Court for the District of Columbia, and all plaintiffs would be required to, quote, file joint papers or to be represented by a single attorney at oral argument. In other words, this becomes, I guess, effectively one big class action lawsuit. You cannot challenge. You can't just go to the federal courts. You have to go to the D.C. court. They're picking the court where people can challenge the legality, and they're basically saying there can only be effectively, as I read this, it looks like one lawsuit because they're going to force them all to kind of go in together um, and be represented by a single single attorney. Number three, and I'm, I'm going to take a break here. I just dutifully informed me that it's time to take a break, but I want to do number three here as well. Mandates, this legislation mandates automatic voter registration in all 50 states. 19 states already have this, but they want to mandate in the, that in the remaining uh, remaining 31 states. Democrats call this, quote, modernizing elections, meaning automatically registering any person that is given information to designated government agencies, such as the Department of Motor Vehicles, a public university, or a social service agency would be registered. It also mandates, this legislation also mandates, same-day and online registration. So... Basically, every person is going to be, by and large, I mean, how do you you look at the people that are, do not have dealings with the government agency at all, whether they're dealing with social services, Department of Motor Vehicles, going to college at a public university, any of these actions would automatically register you, register a person for to vote, to become an, an eligible voter. Now... Just really quickly about this, and I'll take a quick time out. The concept, one of the things we learned, I think, if we didn't know it all, well, we knew it already, but one of the things that we learned through 2020, this November of 2020 election, was that anytime that there are, there are people on the rolls who have no intention to vote, or maybe they even, maybe they can't vote, maybe they're dead, for example, these sorts of things create, I mean, it's common sense. But this creates problems. Anytime, anytime someone is given permission to vote but they have no intention to do it or they can't because they're dead or they live in another state or whatever the case may be, that gives someone a key to entry to our system of voting, and that key can be used to do things nefariously against the law. Now, the left acts like this never happens. 
fact, they act like, for example, someone who's illegally in this country, someone who's crossed our borders illegally, would never, ever cross into the voting booth illegally. They act like that's the sacred line in the sand for someone who's already broken U.S. laws. They would cross our border illegally but not cross into our voting booths illegally. Of course, it doesn't take a genius to see how this stuff happens. We could point to literally hundreds and hundreds of people who have been tried and convicted for these sorts of things, voter fraud in general. But the left acts like it never happens. And the left just wants to continue to make Voting again. I don't want to make it difficult. I know some some of you might say to me, "Todd, I want it to be difficult." I just want it. I want it to be. You have to be intentional about it, and you have to basically have every intention to follow through with it. Because if you don't, and you're a registered voter who doesn't exercise that right, things happen. Again, it can be used. That key can be used by someone who knows, um, you know, that, that they can use that against our system of of voting in this great nation. So lots more wrong with this legislation. We'll get to that after the break. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in a minute. Back, my friends, we are going through this atrocious piece of legislation with the help of the Epic Times here, pointing out some changes to election laws that have been or that will be implemented should this atrocious HR1 pass the U.S. Senate. Again, again, for those who may be joining us now and not the beginning. H.R. 1 is known as the For the People Act. That's right, For the People. If you vote against this, I guess you are not for the people. Actually, if you vote for this, you are for Democrat Party domination and one-party rule. You are you are in favor, if you vote for H.R. 1, of legislating your uh, the Republican Party out of existence through the manipulation of election laws. Anyway, this H.R. 1, H.R. 1 has a lot of problems. It's changing. It would change a lot of laws, but we do have, we do have, I want to repeat this for those who maybe were not here at the beginning, but I do want to say that the filibuster in the U.S. Senate is the one thing that stands between this law uh, and, you know, basically being the law of the land. It's the one thing that stands between it just being proposed legislation and approved and signed legislation by the president of the United States. So you're going to hear pressure here. In fact, you heard about maybe a Biden executive order over the weekend that is designed to kind of put pressure on the Senate to do something here. Republicans in the Senate must absolutely positively stand firm. Now, I know we passed – The Senate passed its version of COVID relief, so-called COVID relief. It's just a massive spending bill where they're going to throw a little money. Um, I don't want to say a little money, but in proportion to the other money they're spending, a little money to the American – to Americans, average American making under $150,000 per year as a married couple or $75,000 individually – should 
should qualify for a $1,400 per person. This is per dependent. So if you have two children and you and your spouse, um, this is this is going to now pass the, the House of Representatives. I don't foresee them changing anything else and sending it back to the Senate. This will be signed into law by the President of the United States. Unemployment benefits ex, uh, expanded and extended, including a federal um, – what are they calling that? That that a three hundred dollar. It did drop from four hundred to three hundred dollars. Um, that is extended through I think September, sometime in September. So basically, six more months of federal unemployment in additional in addition to the state unemployment. So all those things, and there's a lot more in there as well. Lots of Democrat pet projects and that sort of thing. But that's passed. It's passed the Senate. It's going to be passing the House and be signed into the law soon. In fact, it might be signed into law this week. I think the House is uh, voting on it tomorrow, and the president will sign it. And I presume money will start going out within days after that, maybe even maybe even next week, maybe later this week. I don't know. The last time it hit really quickly. So I'm, we're past that. We're talking about this other bill that's not been – it's been talked about. But it is it is disastrous piece of legislation here. So let's look at some of the other things that it would change about election election law. It mandates again. I'm looking here at the Epic Times. It mandates no fault absentee ballots. As the Epic Times writes here, it says this provision would do away with witness signature or notarization requirements for absentee ballots. Additionally, listen to this part, folks. Additionally, it would force states to accept to accept ballots received up to 10 days after election day. So it's now going to force it's going to force all the terrible things that we saw unfolding this past November, which you can say even without making claims that there was violation of ele- of election integrity. You can make these Statements without referencing any of that, without suggesting that an election was stolen or anything of the sort, you can simply say, you can simply say that the things that we saw implemented, say in the state of Pennsylvania or the state of all these states that were taking ballots, North Carolina. I remember talking about this months before election day. I remember Petals did a graphic that showed states that were going to accept ballots days and weeks after election day. I think Michigan was something like 14 days, 14 days after election day. So all this, remember we had the the voting stop on election night, which I'm not sure if, if YouTube allows me to say that or not anymore, but that did happen. That happened essentially simultaneously in, what, a half dozen, five or six states. And they all ended up being states where there were questions about the, the final counts. Counts States that had Trump well in the lead at the beginning, but we see we had all these outstanding um, mail-in ballots. All these outstanding mail-in ballots that were uh, being counted and tabulated, we were told. And so we didn't know the results of these state elections for, for days. That's now going to become, if this law were to pass... The law of the land. This would be the normal course of events. You would have to sit there and, I mean, you think about it. With all this technology that we have, with all of the 
just, I don't know, the capabilities of doing things quickly in this great nation, voting has actually regressed. And it's not because it's safer, folks. It's not because we're trying to prevent people from from voting who shouldn't be voting, making sure that the only votes that are counted are registered votes. That's not what we're spending more time trying to secure. In fact, what we're doing is exactly the opposite. We're trying to make it so, so easy and so, so simple that people can vote virtually. Um, they can show up on election day. They can show up on what it says here, same day. We talked about that last break or last segment, same day and online registration. I don't know. I mean, why Why do we think that this is a secure, a secure thing? We act as though there's no online hacking. We act as though nothing can happen or go wrong if somebody's rushed through the system. And what is wrong? What's wrong with if states want to have a witness signature for a mail-in ballot? Folks, mail-in ballots, I know people act like this is so safe, but give me a break, especially when you mail out massive amounts of ballots to everybody. Here, just drop these in the mail, send these back. You don't have to sign them. You don't need a witness. You don't need anything. Just just fill it in and send it back, and we'll count it. How in anyone's right mind can they not see the problem in that? If they don't see the risk in that and at least propose ways to prevent against said risks from becoming reality, then they're not interested in the integrity of our elections. They're interested in one-party domination and one-party rule. That's what they're interested in. Because if you can't even see the dangers and the risks here, you're either blinded by truth or have no interest in truth. You certainly have no interest in the integrity of an election. So timeout is in order. You're listening here to the home of conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. Welcome back. You've tuned in to America's Realities Are Here with the Todd Huff Show. By the way, this program is brought to you in part, brought to you in part by our friends at Carriage House Woodworking. Folks, they do countertops, they do cabinets. It's a family-owned business. They'll walk you through every step of the process. And they also are currently offering a free sink base with qualifying purchases right now. For more information, give them a call, 317-406-3042, 317-406-3042, Carriage House Woodworking. Be sure to tell them that the Todd Huff Show sent you. So, so going through this piece of the legislation and We'll just do this this segment. I'll have uh, Pedals post this article outlining all the changes in um, that that this bill would do to the election law so you can see it. We'll post it on social media and our website a little bit later today. But we went through a couple of the things. There's 30, 30 or 31 points here that they make in, I guess, changes that would be made by this legislation. It prevents election officials, number five, from removing ineligible voters from registries or confirming the eligibility and qualifications of voters. Think about that. 
Why would we want to do that? Someone comes in and says, hey, I want to vote. You're just supposed to say, okay, sign you up. Doesn't matter. Nope, don't want to know. Don't want to know anything. Just go ahead and sign them up. Um, It restores the Voting Rights Acts. Uh, The Voting Rights Act, I should say, bans, listen to this, bans state voter ID laws. It forces states to allow individuals to vote without an ID, and instead they can merely sign a statement in which they claim they are who they say they are. Who needs an ID when you can sign a piece of paper that no one's going to prosecute someone if they lie about anyway, statistically speaking? How are you going to – it's just – how are you going to prove this? Right? How you how are you going to prove it? We we probably won't have a signature on file on these registration uh, registrations anymore. So what are you going to match it again? I mean, this is just one big mess. It ensures illegal immigrants uh, immigrants can vote. The bill would shield non citizens from prosecution if they are registered to vote automatically, and agencies are not required to keep records of who declined to affirm their citizenship. So, I mean, it, it is everything that's wrong. What well, everything that needs to be done to election laws to make it safer, which includes, again, I don't want to make it unnecessarily burdensome for people to vote. That is not the way that we should function in this great nation. It sh- it should be something that we have to seek out and intentionally intentionally do. And and if we're not going to participate, we shouldn't have an open record. For someone else to fraudulently cast a vote in our name. I mean, that's that's we should try to eliminate that. And obviously, people people are going to be um, not always voting. There's no way to have a hundred percent participation. But I tell you what, you're just you're making this so easy at some point for all sorts of bad things to happen in an election if this is the route that you're going to go. Voting by mail needs to be restricted more than to be opened up more. Having people have no voter ID, that needs, that is ridiculous. That is completely insane. Here, sign this piece of paper and just tell me you're who you say you are. Okay, there you go. I'll cast my ballot. What are you going to do? I mean, it it's totally insane. It's totally insane, and there's a lot more to this. I just... You know, we're not going to go through every piece of this. You can, as I said, Pedals will put this out on social media and our website a little bit later today, and you can take a look at it yourself. But there is a lot wrong with this legislation. Our attorney general here in the state of Indiana is exactly right. Todd Rokita, I appreciate the comments uh, that, that he's making against this legislation. We need to have buckle up because this we're early in this in this congress right i mean we've got two years of this nonsense basically to deal with so we're gonna have to be have to see more people standing up and vocally uh, being vocal about it telling us what is wrong and why we should be concerned about this what's going to be a constant drip 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 threat uh you talk about a threat to democracy here you go these sorts of things the for the people act right the for the people act is passed the House of Representatives, now stands in the U.S. Senate, and there's going to be pressure to do something, anything, whatever it takes, as long as it passes this into law so that Democrats can become the permanent majority and make Republicans the permanent minority, the permanent uh, political underclass that makes no 
that has no voice or say in the government whatsoever. They're okay if there's some Republicans just for for the sake of, of show, of bipartisanship, of working with the minority party. But when it gets down to it, they have power now. They have no intentions whatsoever of giving it up under any circumstances, and that even includes even if they have to make ridiculously stupid election law and to federalize this stuff, and that's what we're doing. That's what they're trying to do here. So they've got a tough battle to fight because of the filibuster and the need for 60 votes in the Senate. But again, we're way too close. We're way too close to this uh, for my comfort. It's already passed the House of Representatives sitting before the Senate, and I've got to take a break. When I come back, I want to shift gears. I want to talk about, yes, our friends at CNN have done it again. Chris Cuomo never disappoints me. Share a soundbite of something ridiculously stupid he said on his uh, program here recently. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. You know, I do want to tie up one, I guess loose end on this filibuster. Oz was asking me this during the break, and I thought I would at least clarify this. So now this bill, H.R. 1, moves to the the For the People Act, what we've been talking about this program, moves to the U.S. Senate. And the whole point of the filibuster, I I I told Oz here, if it goes to a vote, then we've lost. The whole point of the filibuster is to never allow this to go to a vote. So it won't ever be voted down in the Senate. Uh, because they have the votes to pass it. Presumably, I mean, I'm guessing every Democrat's for this. I don't think any Republican would be, but who knows? We got Murkowski and Collins over there, so I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Republicans would stand firm against us, but that would give them a 50-50 tie, and then, of course, Kamala Harris would break it. But the filibuster keeps it from being voted on, and you have to have 60 votes to invoke what they call cloture, which means... Debate on an issue is done. Now it gets voted on. If it does that, if they get to 60 votes, which again, it shouldn't, because voting as one of the 60, if you vote for cloture, vote to invoke cloture and end the filibuster, you are effectively voting for the passage of this bill because that's what will happen. So, anyway, just wanted to share that. But I do, you know, I, I think it's an uphill battle for them. But, I mean, again, way too close for comfort. CNN, I told you I'd play this. You know, they never, ever, ever disappoint me. I mean, they disappoint me if I'm looking for news or reality. But if I'm looking for entertainment, I never get disappointed. But see, it's entertainment that they don't mean to be, they don't mean this part to be entertainment. So Chris Cuomo, tough guy Chris Cuomo, excuse me, is talking to Don Lemon. They're passing one of the programs ends and it leads to the other. I don't know which one ends first. I don't really care, but... I think it's Lemon's program ends first, but they're talking. They're doing the the pass, you know, from one to the other. And Chris Cuomo starts singing the song to good times, to which Don Lemon is surprised he knows the words. And Chris Cuomo makes I'm going to you're going to hear him singing here first, but you're going to hear his comments as well, which, again, what's interesting to me is. Is that this this offended people that apparently watch CNN on a regular basis who are not offended by all the other stupid stuff that's happening on that program on that on that outlet, but this apparently did it. Here it is, Chris Cuomo 
Um, <laughs> being an idiot. Here you go. Just looking out of the window, watching the what? asphalt grow, <laughs> thinking how it all looks handy. How do you know the words to good Here we time? Go. You know I'm black on the inside. So, good Don Lemon doesn't even respond to that. Chris Cuomo says, you know I'm black on the inside. Chris Cuomo is black on the inside. You know I'm black on the inside. Now, look, I know. Look, he is joking, and, and I think that we're way too sensitive to this kind of stuff. I don't think there was any ill intent or anything here today, but it's just it's just remarkable from the people who are offended by everything, offended by being offended, offended that they might be offended, offended that you don't see the world as they see the world, and that, of course, makes you a racist. Now, of course, he can get away with saying he's black on the inside. This did offend some of their listeners or viewers or whatever. A couple dozen of them probably, but I heard them. I saw some of the tweets. They were highly offended by this. But again, how can you be offended by this and not the other things that happen on CNN on a regular basis? Sit tight. Going to wrap up here after the break. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, folks, that is, well, I've said before, um, and I'll ask again, if you've not downloaded the podcast, that's something I hope that you'll consider doing, downloading the podcast. It's free. You just go to Apple Podcasts, or if you listen to a podcast somewhere else as well, that's we'll let you do that. I don't really care where you listen, but it's in today's world, it's, I think, the best way to make sure that you can continue to hear this program, although there's no guarantees with Apple and all those things as well as we've seen with uh, as we've seen with Parlor. But nonetheless, Todd Uff Show, search it there. It's completely free. And while you do that, while you do that, be sure to share your comments and rate the program as well. Help us reach more people as we're continuing to try to grow and get out the conservative, not bitter message. But I appreciate you all very much. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. We will see you tomorrow. SDG. Take care.